Okay, a couple of announcements, quick. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us here on Zoom. And thanks for just following along with all of the <laughs> last minute changes and all of the stuff that we have going. If you're watching on YouTube or on Zoom, thanks for being here. Um, you guys can follow along with everything going on at my LifeBridge. And if you haven't put the uh, app or button on your phone, you can, if you go to my LifeBridge, there's a little video that'll show you how to do that. You can find um, sermon notes, upcoming events, uh, online giving, sign up for email and text updates. If you aren't signed, if you aren't getting email and text updates from us, um, definitely encourage you to sign up for that because things change last minute and things change fast. And so we'll only send you important, immediate information. But um, yeah, encourage you to do that so you can follow along with what's going on. Um, thanks for those of you who are giving to support our, our mission. You can give online uh, through Venmo or just online at lifebridge.church slash my. You can find the giving button and everything there. So thank you for your giving. And we've been talking about this the last few weeks, our December giving generosity push. Um, so all of this is... Um, so the idea is to kind of double all of this. Somebody's already uh, generously given to um, to support this, and then as a church, we're going to try to match it and double it. So uh, we've been talking about this for a while, but um, all of our our giving push this year is is really going out. Um, so we want to be a blessing to the Hlu House, to our community through Gather and Give, and we firmly believe that there's going to be a lot more needs coming up in our church and in our community um, from COVID. So well, we want to make sure that we have the ability to help those who are in need. So thanks for your giving. And that's what we're um, kind of driving towards through December here. So virtual services, obviously today and next week, we're going to be virtual as well. And Christmas Eve, we're going to be out at the park. So for Christmas Eve, 5 p.m. at Echo Park, we're going to have a little um, candlelight service. So uh, we'll provide the candles so you don't have to bring your own blowtorch or whatever else. <laughs> um, is the like phone light thing? I guess it'll be dark enough so you can do the phone light thing too if you want. I think that's the cool thing to do at stadiums nowadays. At least it was before COVID. Um, so candlelight service, 5 p.m. over at Echo Park. It's gonna be quick, 30 minutes, roughly. Um, we're gonna sing some carols and it's cold. So bundle up and come sing some candle carols with us on Christmas Eve. And if you guys have any questions about what's coming or why or what's happening, feel free to send me an email or call me and I'd love to chat with you about it. Just to be sure that you're following along with what's happening and we're all on the same page. All right, so our sermon series that we've been going through is called Among Us. And we have been talking about incarnational living. Uh, we've been talking about what Jesus did when he came here, how he was incarnated. Jesus was fully God, fully man. and He took on human flesh for us. So. What this idea does is looks at the incarnation of Jesus, and it basically says we should be modeling how Jesus did ministry. Um, so the missional model uses this. It's really popular in the missional model. And to some extent, our church is 
um, doing these types of things as well. And we're trying to encourage you to live incarnationally as well. So we've been going through what that means. We talked about how that means locationally. So why do you live where you live? Why do you hang out where you do? Um, our location says a lot about what we value. So we want to be located in a community and we want to serve that community and love that community by our location. And last week we talked about time. How are you spending your time? How, how valuable it is to just spend time with people. Remember, we kind of boiled discipleship down to time spent with people to reveal Jesus to them through our life being changed. So we're sharing our life, we're sharing our time together, and in doing so, we're discipling one another. And that's the beautiful picture of the church and how Jesus did ministry with his disciples. Um, today, we're talking about compassion and how Jesus had compassion. So when Jesus was incarnated among us, he one of the themes of his ministry was his compassion for people. So um, the verse that we've been following through this whole series has been John 1.14. This is like the staple um, incarnation verse. John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So now we're gonna kind of look at how the, the incarnation is linked with Jesus' compassion. And first, we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament here, the, uh, to the character of God. So in Exodus 34, 6, this is God's self-disclosure of who he is to uh, Moses. He says, uh, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord. That's the, the, the word Yahweh. So most translations, Lord is in all caps. So that's Yahweh. Uh, it's his personal name, uh, the great I am. Yahweh, the compassionate. Okay, so notice the first thing God says about who he is when he's describing his character is that he's compassionate. He says he's the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So the first thing he says there is that God is compassionate. So this is God's um, God telling Moses who he is. And the first thing is usually, it usually means that that is then emphasized, that that is what um, he, he wants him to take note of. So that God is compassionate, first and foremost. So when we think about who God is, compassion and grace, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, God is more than that. And he goes on to describe more than that, his, his justice and his righteousness and holiness. But when we think about who God is, we should start here with compassion. In the devotional this week, we'll go through what uh, this Hebrew word for compassion means. Uh, we're not going to spend time on it today, but I think that's Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll talk about the Hebrew and Greek words for compassion and how they paint a picture for us of what compassion means. So then when we come to the New Testament, it's with that in mind that this guy, Zechariah, we're not going to read his whole prophecy, but um, Zechariah is the father of John. Okay. And it was amazing and miraculous how uh, his wife, Elizabeth, gave birth because she was said to be barren before this. So you can read the whole story in Luke chapter one. But anyways, John is John the Baptist. He becomes John the Baptist, right? When he is born to his father, Zechariah, he prophesies. So he has this maybe called Zechariah's song in your Bible or Zechariah's prophecy. But when his son is born, he declares this prophecy. And we're just going to read the last three verses, 76 
through 79. Um, so John becomes a great prophet as Zechariah is going to prophesy here. And if you see me looking over here, that's where my notes are. If you see me looking that way. So I'm not avoiding eye contact with you. Okay. He says, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Remember, that's John's mission, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Then here in verse 78, here's our word. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So that word tender mercy is the Greek word that is translated oftentimes as compassion uh, or, or heart is how it's translated. It's a tender heart towards one another. Um, so here it's linked to Jesus coming, it's linked to John's mission, and depending on how you translate this and how you look at it, uh, because of the tender mercy of our God, that phrase could be modifying the very next line, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, which is describing Jesus as the Messiah, or it's looking back to verse 77, and it's describing the salvation, the uh, John's mission to bring knowledge of salvation into the world to prepare the way for the Messiah. So either way, it's linked to Jesus and it's linked to the Messiah coming into the world. And it is because of God's tender mercy. Um, I take it with the second half of verse 78 there. That's the tender mercy of God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. So it's because of God's compassion that Jesus came into the world. So as we've been doing with this study, throughout this series, um, we're looking at the big theological theme here. So we see this big theological theme of God's mercy in Jesus coming and being incarnated. So we see this here in Luke 1, and then we're going to see it in Jesus' ministry as well. So as an example of Jesus' compassion, we're going to look at Luke 7, verses 11 through 12. So this story... Uh, it's a, it explains it. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. In this story, we see Jesus' compassion on full display. So the words translated, his heart went out to her, is our Greek word splanknon for compassion. So here we see the beauty of our Savior. And oh man, I started tearing up even just reading this story, thinking about the grief, the agony, the pain, the sorrow 
of a funeral procession of a widow and her only son. And Jesus, when he sees this, okay, again, he knows he has the power to raise this young man. He knows what he's about to do. And similarly, as he did, did with Lazarus, when he sees the funeral procession for Lazarus, or he sees all of the events taking place and people weeping and crying because of his friend Lazarus, it says Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. Jesus weeps before he raises Lazarus. And here, when he sees this all taking place, this widow who had lost her only son, Jesus' heart goes out to her and he has compassion for her and he loves her. This Jesus, who we, the author, the perfecter of our faith, God in flesh, he's not just some like stoic, aloof, uh, mysterious leader. He hurts for the people around him. When he sees the effects of a broken world and people hurting, people are in need and people grieving the loss of loved ones. Okay, Jesus empathizes with them. His heart goes out to them and he cares for them. So I like to think about this story in the context of what was actually happening and how we got this um, and how we got this story. Remember Luke, he was a doctor and he traveled all around the Roman world, um, looking or gathering these stories from the disciples, from people who were close to Jesus, from people who knew him. And we don't know who he got this story from necessarily, probably one of the disciples. But I mean, think, think of how this language came to be. So whoever was witnessing this, whatever they saw on Jesus, that stuck out with, to them. So whether it was his facial expressions, whether Jesus cried, whether they just knew some way through his voice with something, that when he saw this happening, that he took compassion on them and his heart went out to them. And Jesus cared and he, he really cared about the people who were grieving in this event. So we don't know how they saw it, but it was obvious that Jesus really truly cared. All right, so a big idea is if we're following the way of Jesus, um, compassion and empathy should characterize our lives. God sent Jesus into the world to be the incarnate son because of his compassion, because of his love. Jesus in his ministry, we see that when he witnessed suffering, when he witnessed pain, he had compassion on people. He empathized with those who were hurting and those who were in need. So if we are following the way of Jesus and we want to do ministry, we want to disciple one another, we want to reach out to our world. If we want to do so like Jesus, which seems to be the, the most basic, simplest uh, thing for Christians is, hey, remember the bracelets, what would Jesus do? We should do ministry like Jesus as best we can. But so often I think we miss it and we try to run after this way of doing ministry or that way of ministering to each other, this way of discipling one another, and we totally miss it. So if we're following the way of Jesus, compassion and empathy should characterize our lives. And what we should also see here, so 
first thing when we begin to apply this is that Jesus empathizes with your pain. Again, Jesus isn't some aloof, stoic philosopher who is common to this day and age in the first century. It's not that Jesus is unable or unwilling to empathize with us and to feel our pain. No, we have a savior. We have a God who feels our pain. And this Christmas season, especially Christmas season can be a difficult time for many people. For many among us who are hurting this Christmas season, this truth, I pray, would bring you a lot of comfort this year, that Jesus empathizes with your pain, that he didn't, he didn't exempt himself from pain and suffering when he came into this world. In fact, he took the brunt of it. He feels the pain of loss. He feels the pain of brutal torture. Jesus has felt our pain. This year, especially um, loneliness can be really prevalent. Jesus felt that as well. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is praying, even his disciples are falling asleep. His three closest disciples he has to come and pray with him. They're falling asleep. And Jesus is alone praying by himself. When he's arrested, he's standing trial before the Sanhedrin. When he's standing before Pilate, he's alone. There's nobody else who can bear the burden of sin but Jesus. So he's felt your loneliness. He knows what it's like to be alone. This season as well, I know a lot of a lot of our families have been divided. There's tension, there's disagreements. There's serious divisions within families now. Jesus knows that as well. Remember, Jesus was denied or he was he was betrayed by Judas one of his 12 disciples, he was turned over for money, handed over to them. Not only that, but he was denied by one of his closest friends, Peter, who said moments before, I'm with you to the end, I'll die for you. And then when he's in the heat of it, he caves and he denies even knowing Jesus. So Jesus knows what conflict is like. So when we're stressed, when we're worried about this stuff, when we bring it to God, we're not praying to God who doesn't feel, who doesn't know what we're experiencing. He's felt it. He's been there. And he can empathize with you. And his heart goes out to you. Next. Compassion for one another should characterize our experience of church. In the devotional, we're going to go through Peter, Paul, John, all of them give us the imperatives to have compassion for each other. 
And Paul doesn't use the word here, but in Romans 12, 15, he tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. This type of language is all over the New Testament. So, <clears throat> very simply, does, does compassion characterize your experience of church? Does empathy characterize your experience of what it means to be in a community of Christ followers? And honestly, I think our church does a lot of this stuff fairly well. I've, as I've been thinking about this this week, uh, so many instances have come up from over the last six years of, of church members gathered together to pray for each other, for someone who's sick, weeping together for them as we pray for him, hearing the stories of people who have just experienced terrible tragedies in their past, and us sitting, listening to one another's stories and, and weeping with each other and loving one another. Oh. People who are going through chronic pain for years, just sharing each other's stories and praying for each other. I can think of a lot of examples. And I know you have more that I'm not even aware of. And getting to know you guys, I've seen this, you have seen your heart in this, that you care for people and you do genuinely want to help and you have compassion for people. So I want to encourage you in that, to just keep, keep having compassion, to keep feeling each other's hurts and needs. And if this hasn't been your experience of church, I'm just going to throw the question out of why. I want you to reflect on this and I want you to think on this. Um, it very, very well could be the case that we've dropped the ball on this. And if that is your story, uh, if that is the case, we, we sincerely do apologize. We want, we want this. This is our desire for our church community is to, to know each other well enough to be in deep enough relationships with one another that we have compassion for each other when we're hurting and we can empathize with each other when we're in pain and we have needs. That is our prayer. And that is our true, our honest desire. Sometimes we fail at that. And when we do, we sincerely apologize. But if that's not the case, if, if, it's, uh, if it's that you haven't got connected or you haven't developed relationships or you haven't reached out when you are in need, please do. Please take every effort, every step to be connected with us because we want we want to empathize with you. We want to have compassion with you. And we can only know, we can only have compassion for you if we know what's going on in your life. So this is the type of community that I think Jesus calls us to in the church is to know each other well enough, to know our hurts, to know our pains, and to know, to know what's going on so that we can have compassion and empathy for one another. And then finally, compassion for our community should characterize our experience of mission. So again, if we're trying to do mission the way that Jesus does mission, remember Jesus came to earth, God in flesh, and he had compassion for hurting people. He did ministry by going to them, by spending time with them, and in doing so, when he saw their hurts and he saw their needs, he had compassion and he empathized with those hurts and needs. So if we're doing mission like Jesus, 
it can't just be uh, we're gonna put on this big program, do a good thing, and then we're out. It's not a one event type thing for mission. It's developing relationships. It's spending time with people who are far from God. It's going to where people who are far from God are, and it is feeling their hurts and their pains. And in doing so, we're not only telling people what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, we're showing people by our heart, by our compassion for them, and how we love them and are willing to feel their pain and go where they are. Well, guys, if you need prayer requests, I know I sent out an email a while back, but if you didn't respond and you, uh, you would like us to be praying for you, if there's anything that we can do, if you would even just like to, like to talk um, this Christmas season, send, out, just send me an email and be happy to reach out to you to pray with you and to um, just share, share our life together, share what's going on. So please send me an email, john at lifebridge.church, if there's anything that we can do for you to pray for you and to, to love you this, this Christmas season. Um, I'm going to pray and close, but thanks for joining us. And um, if you, yeah, remember Christmas Eve, we'll be out at Echo Park. We'd love to see you sing some carols together and celebrate Christmas together. Well, let's pray to close. Lord, again, God, it's so amazing to think about the incarnation, to think, Lord, of you coming to earth, to this place of pain, this place of suffering. Lord, leaving, leaving the Father's side, <clears throat> leaving perfection, leaving perfect peace to come here to our chaos. And Lord, when you did, you felt our pain. You know what we're going through. You've experienced it. So Lord, I pray that we would find comfort in you. And Lord, we would find our model for community, find our model for mission in you, Jesus. And Lord, your model is that our heart would go out to the people who are hurting around us. That we would have compassion and empathy for each other. So Lord, I pray for that, for our community. That Lord, we would follow you and follow your way to the best of our ability. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again, guys. It's good to see you. Hopefully we'll see you on Christmas Eve.